1: CONSPIRACY UNLIMITED, WITH RICHARD Serrett.
2: On this episode, commemorating the anniversary of the death of Sherman H. Skolnick, JFK assassination research pioneer, and the man who sent corrupt judges and even a former governor to jail.
3: The New York Times wrote that Sherman Skolnick carved a full-time career as a modern-day Robin Hood rescuing the downtrodden. He really was an amazing man. He, May, Brussel, and Penn Jones were the first ones really looking into the Kennedy assassination and raising questions like no one else did.
2: This podcast is brought to you by Paranormal Contractors. Paranormal Contractors is a division of crime and trauma scene cleaners. If you have unwanted paranormal activity in your home or business, it's time to bring in the professionals. Paranormal Contractors utilize the latest technology to investigate, authenticate, and remediate your ghost or demon problem. Call them at 1-866-724-0800, 1-866-724-0800, or email them at paranormalcontractors at gmail.com. Check out their YouTube channel, Paranormal Contractors, for things that go bump in the night.
1: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres.
2: Welcome to your Friday. Wow, finally, a warm, sunny day. We have had very cool and very wet spring uh, weather up here so far. I was speaking to a gentleman in Boulder, Colorado uh, yesterday, a global warming skeptic, and uh, here we are approaching Memorial Day weekend down there, and they still have snow in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, That conversation, incidentally, will, will be coming up next week on Conspiracy Unlimited. May 21st marked the anniversary of the death of Sherman Skolnick, who sent numerous corrupt officials to jail. If you haven't heard about Sherman, you're about to learn a lot. My media scientist friend Nelson Thal is standing by. He knew Sherman well. And because it's Friday, that means a visit from Christian Dicardieu, the real John Constantine, from Paranormal Contractors.
4: In 94, a book came out, heavily documented called The Spider's Web, How the Bush White House Armed Saddam. And uh, the book ten years ago should have been widely publicized, and it was not. And when you add that to the documents that you have supplied, which are up on cloakandagger.ca, uh, it, it, it gives a very complete picture of what we're facing here. And let's face it, uh, <laughs> They talk about North Korea, nuclear. ABB is a Swiss company that supply, uh, uh, with worldwide facilities that supplied the nuclear equipment to North Korea. Who has been a director of that? Donald Rumsfeld. Does that tell you something? Oh, okay. Further than that, Tom, you supplied a document showing uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton's criminality in respect to supplying nuclear to North Korea. So these uh, situations where they alarm fellow Americans with Saddam, with Baghdad, with North Korea uh, to justify taking away uh, our inalienable
2: That's the man himself, Sherman Skolnick, assassination researcher and the founder of The Committee to Clean Up the Courts. Here to help me celebrate Skolnick's life is Nelson Thal. Nelson is recognized as one of the world's leading authorities on the science of communication, media, and process analysis. His expertise has afforded him the opportunity to define law terms the Federal Court of Canada and develop a television series with Dr. Timothy Leary. Bill Gates and Peter Lloyd invited Nelson to contribute an essay to the book Web Weaving. While a graduate student at the University of Toronto with Professor Marshall McLuhan, Nelson became a McLuhan protege and served as the president of the Marshall McLuhan Center on Global Communications from 1990 to 1995. He has served on the boards of directors of Torstar. Stanley Media Inc., Peace Arch Films and Entertainment, and other publicly traded media companies. He's a lecturer, author, and has been a consultant to companies in the United States, Russia, Canada, and Great Britain. Nelson Thal, welcome back to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you, my friend?
3: Very good. It's great being back here, Rich.
2: We're commemorating the anniversary of Sherman H. Skolnick's death. He passed away May twenty-first, two 2006. I'm guessing there are some some people out there listening who've never heard of Sherman H. Skolnick. First, just explain why he is important, and then we'll talk a little bit about his early life.
3: Absolutely. Well, he's the Albert Einstein of criminal investigators, the Perry Mason of the group. Without him, we wouldn't be talking about conspiracy theory, probably, or as head of the game as we are, thanks to him. You've compared
2: him to to other investigators like Penn Jones and Mae Brussel.
3: Yeah, he certainly was in a league all his own with with Jones and with Brussels, and um, he, he really was it's – a, it's a true-to-life story about a downtrodden boy who at age thir- – in 1937 at age seven became a victim of polio and confined to a wheelchair for the rest of his life, but – Sherman Skolnick overcame his disability, and in 1969, Time magazine wrote that Skolnick became, quote, the great American judge buster, unquote.
2: Well, we should talk about what was happening in Chicago, Cook County, which is <laughs> no secret—you uh, know, ripe with corruption. Uh, certainly, uh, Mayor Daley was no fan of Sherman Skolnick, and as we'll we'll discuss, uh, he sent not only some corrupt judges to jail, but also a former governor of Chicago of Illinois, Otto Kerner. But let's let's start with well, what was happening in well, Chicago it, the- in the early '60s that caused him to start investigating?
3: Well, let's talk. In 1958, when Skolnik was 28 years old, his parents had their life savings stolen by a crooked stockbroker. Now, they went to court. His parents sought to bring their cases before a judge. But a justice of the high court, Otto Kerner, wouldn't hear the case. Why? As Skolnick used to say, because they refused to donate money to the judge's re-election campaign. So the Skolniks had stumbled onto a corrupt judge. And that's where it all started, because Sherman privately vowed to wreck him. And his parents said, look, how can a little man like you wreck a powerful state of Illinois Supreme Court judge? As you say, Kerner had been a two-time governor of the state of Illinois and then uh, made himself a judge. And um, how he did it and how he got that fame, we're going to talk about today.
2: All right. So how did he begin investigating the the former uh, governor, now Illinois State Supreme Court judge, Otto Kerner? How did he, what did he find?
3: Well, what happened was his parent. he had gone to a sh- school at University of Chicago for the destitute and downtrodden. His mother wrote a letter to President Roosevelt and said, hey, my boy's in his wheelchair like you. What can you do about it? He sent him to a special crippled children's home on the campus of University of Chicago. Sherman was rubbing shoulders with all the physicists and nuclear people at the University of Chicago and all sorts of law professors. And he self-studied the legal system and he developed, and invented what he called guerrilla law tactics, which were unorthodox but legal means of fighting judicial impropriety. Sherman said if you can't persuade them on the law, the facts, or the merit of a thing, then you had better do closet work. And Sherman's closet work dug up secrets and dirty laundry about his adversary, Judge Otto Kerner.
5: Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and
2: conditions apply. And so did he have did he have private investigators working for him? I mean, I, I couldn't imagine he could afford that. How did he how did he do the research? How did he investigate? I mean, he's he was confined to a wheelchair.
3: Exactly. And he had a, a lady. Um, who did, uh, Harriet Sherman was her name, and she did his legwork. And he would send her out to various places in order to uh, places which she shouldn't have been. But You know, um, what they do is she would dress up as an old woman, the cleaning lady, move into places, move and be able to get into the files. And really what happened was the closet work that he did revealed evidence that 30 high court judges and nine Chicago mobsters were in business together. They co-owned the Civic Center Bank which happened to be right across the street from the courthouse. And Kerner was one of the largest stockholders. He was taking bribes from the mafia bosses and letting it alter his court decisions. Now, Skolnick's favorite tactic was to move that a judge disqualify himself from a case because of alleged bias, and what happened was he used the legal motion amici karai which is a Latin term which means a friend of the court. So as an amici Karai, he approached the court of the, and went before what he knew was the, the corrupt judge and said, Your Honor, I've discovered fraud upon the court, another legal term Sherman learned from his self-study. And he charged Chief Justice Kerner with taking bribes. Now, the judge subpoenaed Sherman to reveal his sources. Skolnick vowed never to reveal his sources. So when Sherman refused, he was sentenced to jail. But when pictures of Skolnick in his wheelchair being loaded into a police paddy wagon by big, bulky court uh, officers made front page news, he immediately won the public sympathy. He called for a grand jury to examine his charges, and upon completion of their investigation, the grand jury recommended the removal of the corrupt judges. So with his evidence rich, with his evidence validated, he was released from jail. And really, news of his triumph reached the White House. President Nixon was informed that the headlines in Chicago were reading, uh, a citizen gadfly became the public's hero. And that's how he did it. And, and
2: how uh, what happened to uh, Otto Kerner, the former governor?
3: Kerner, Kerner went to jail, went to prison. Sherman escorted him and to the prison, actually, and he used to say he threw away the key, although he was in prison only about, well, not only, but three to four years, which is enough. But uh, Sherman recovered the money stolen from his parents, by the way. And yes, this guy went to penitentiary. Kerner went to jail, and eventually he would go on to establish the Citizens Committee to clean up the courts, an organization which... Uh, two things that we should mention. One, over his lifetime, he put 60 judges off the bench, six zero, twenty 20 wow. of them into jail, 20 into jail. And upon his retirement years later, the New York Times wrote that Sherman Skolnick carved a full-time career as a modern-day Robin Hood rescuing the downtrodden. He really was an amazing man. Uh, and uh, deserves our respect and uh, sh- we should mention and recognize the anniversary of his passing because he, May Brussel and Penn Jones were the first ones going into and re- over and really looking into the Kennedy assassination and raising questions like no one else did.
2: All this from his little bungalow on the south side of Chicago, again confined to a wheelchair since... <laughs> The age of seven. Yes. Uh, Now, uh, we'll come back to his research into the JFK assassination and also JFK Jr., but how did you hook up with Sherman Skolnick?
3: Well, I hooked up with them because in the early 70s, I was um, started to attend, well, I, I first got into the Kennedy assassination with the, started to read the headlines in the paper in Toronto, even Toronto, about Clay Shaw trial, that, that Clay Shaw was charged with the murder of the president, and in 1969, there was the Clay Shaw trial. I read about that, and I started to get into it, and by 1975, I think that was the first time I attended the... Um, uh, the JFK Lancer Conventions in Dallas. Right. It was, and um, I think it was seventy-five. I may be off by a year or two, like it's been so long. And anyway, uh, I, that's where I met Sherman. I don't think I met him in seventy-five at the first one, but I used to go every year. And at one of those, between seventy-five and before eighty, before Reagan got in, um, I, I met him at. But I never really got to know him then. I met him and I found out about his telephone. What he was doing is he was putting out he had telephone lines. It was the only, it was the internet of the day. And you would call into Chicago 312-731-1100, his main number. And you would get the underground news that you could get nowhere else. And he would put it out every day or every other day on his phone lines. And he used his phone lines to get the truth out.
2: This is remarkable. Obviously, this is, you know, decades before podcasting, before YouTube, before the internet. This is how he would disseminate his
3: information he he you would call in and get it was it a recording yes it was a recording and he had two or three lines and one line was hotline news and uh, a second one was uh, local news chicago local news and the third line was uh, a satire he would do on uh, you know you go he'd go hello federal reserve yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> and he would he would pretend and put on this it was his he he had a brilliant and his is his humor was, was brilliant. How was he funded? I mean, how was he able to do all of this research uh, uh,
2: and, and fund all of this work?
3: Well, you know what? It, it was very much volunteer. Uh, he had to pay for the phone lines, but you know the phone lines weren't that expensive. He had his citizens' committee to clean up the courts. Remember, he started the citizens' committee to clean up the courts after he got out of jail, and he was publicized. He got big, big publicity. Remember, Time Magazine in '69 called him that. Uh, New York Times gave him press. He had people that he knew in the area. They donated money. You know, fifteen bucks here, five bucks here, a little bit here, a little bit there, and he. Did didn't have a big nut to carry because the phone lines I don't know the cost of the phone lines but in the 70s if you were to rent phone lines from the local whatever the company couldn't have been He, he had enough money to cover that and he had volunteers who volunteered their time to go and help them I do know this Sherman told me because years later I got to know him well, and I did. He became my co-host on uh, on a on a cloak and dagger on a different radio station, but um, a blowtorch station, as Sherman said. But um, what I found out from him is he had this unique talent. He told me that if he could read your handwriting. He could tell a lot about your history and who you were and what you owned and what you may have done wrong. He had this unique ability. I don't know. I I never went into details because he wouldn't talk about it. But, for instance, with some of the judges, what he would do is he would have Harriet Sherman go to the hairdresser's salon where the judge's wife, I know this was a case he told me. The judge's wife, they found out where the judge's wife went to the hairdresser. Harriet would go in and sit beside her and chum with her over a period of time, get to know her, and then get invited to her house uh, for tea. And while at the house for tea, she went up to the fireplace mantel and saw a birthday card and took it. And all it had was happy birthday, dear, love. So and so, whichever the judge's name, and she gave that to Sherman. And from that card, he could find out all sorts of corrupt things about the judge from his handwriting analysis. He had this unique talent. Hmm. And um,
2: what what sort of uh, stories did you discuss on Cloak and Dagger uh, back in the, those the heady days of Mojo Radio here in Toronto, AM six forty, Cloak well, and Dagger.
3: Yeah. Oh, just everything that you can imagine—that all the conspiracies from JFK, John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Bobby Kennedy, and the corruption, uh, 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 the corruption in Chicago—we uh, talked about everything. But Sherman would start it off and say, "We're scraping the BS off the truth." Uh, We're here to scrape the BS off the truth. And remember, he used on his telephone lines, talk about the liars and whores of the oil-soaked spiral monopoly press.
2: Okay, there is more of my conversation with Nelson Thal discussing the life and times of corrupt judge-buster Sherman Skolnick. Stay with us. Christian D. from Paranormal Contractors, a division of Crime and Trauma Scene Cleaners, is here once again. Hey, Christian, how are you?
6: I'm doing well, Richard. How are you?
2: Terrific. Well, let's talk a little bit about the, the parent company of Paranormal Contractors. I just mentioned Crime and Trauma Scene Cleaners. You specialize in in decontamination after a decomposition in a home or business or uh, some sort of a a tragic, uh, violent crime, etc. You had an interesting case recently involving a house chock full of cats. Tell me about it.
6: There was a recent incident that took place in the city here, and uh, an individual had approximately 300 cats. You know, the the stereotypical old lady with 300 cats. It was quite uh, the scenario because... It's not only crime and traumatic events that we deal with. We certainly deal with um, anything that poses a threat to humans. As far as biological hazards, uh, mostly uh, sometimes chemical, but also infectious diseases, such as H1N1, et cetera, et cetera. But in this particular case, it was uh, quite, uh, quite interesting because the bylaw of the city here only allows for six cats. And clearly this individual by 294 <laughs> So with that being said, it, it was quite the scene. The level of odor, which it was, I mean, when we go in there, we literally have to wear SCBA tanks, like like scuba tanks, like the self-containing breathing apparatus we're on our back. Right. Because, Richard, of the ammonia, urine from any animal, any creature, uh, starts off in a liquid form in, as an alkaline salt. And then when it is exposed to oxygen, it then converts itself to ammonia. So the level of the vapors and the gaseous vapors of ammonia that is present in that environment is enough to make you keel over and topple over. Good Lord. It's just uh, yeah, it's how did this woman survive are, in there? I have no idea, Richard. I, I, for the love of God, I, I can't figure it out. Tolerance build up. I, I don't know.
2: Now were, were the cats removed by the time you got there or were there still cats in the house?
6: No, all the cats were removed in order to uh, allow us to decontaminate and sterilize the environment. And then, upon completion of our services, they're certainly brought back. Well, not all. Only six of them are allowed back.
2: What are the 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 health risks? Not only to the person living there, but just anyone living in the close proximity to this woman.
6: You know, that's a great question. And the ammonia vapors, the uh, the toxicity from it, it becomes airborne. In the event that someone decides to use bleach on the, the contamination from the urine on the surfaces, it would be a nightmare because bleach and ammonia is one of the primary recipes for mustard gas going back to the First World War. Now, then you have to factor in the spring When cats spray, there is irritability, respiratory issues. It could certainly lead to pneumonia or bronchitis. If a couple or an individual is trying to conceive, they're trying to have children and they occupy that environment that hasn't been decontaminated and or sterilized properly, then there's going to be complications with these people that are trying to conceive. And it's just dangerous. It's bad. It's a it's a public health risk. And it's something which is overlooked by a lot of people
2: now. If people want to get a hold of Crime and Trauma Scene Cleaners, where do they go?
6: They can contact us at info at crime scene or they can certainly call us on our toll-free number, which again is 866-724-0800.
2: Canada's decontamination specialists, Crime and Trauma Scene Cleaners.
1: Truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again, what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett.
0: Hi, Sherman Skolnick bringing you news killed by the Monopoly press. Presented 24 hours a day by the Citizens Committee to Clean Up the Courts, 9800 South Oglesby. The Marshall Field family has been in the news regarding selling their paper, the Chicago Sun-Times. As usual, the mass media says almost nothing about the background of these ruling class sharks. Their fortune started when Marshall Field I became a partner in a wholesale dry goods house during the distress of the Civil War that forced the nation to pay the highest sums for the poorest material. This extortion was done with the collusion of government officials. The field factories and stores made huge profits, as now, by paying wretched wages to their employees. The entire history of this family is loaded with perjury, fraud, bribing of local officials, and brutality to workers.
2: Media scientist Nelson Thal is here discussing the work of the late Sherman Skulnik. Did he get any exposure in the media in Chicago, for example? I mean, after he was praised by the New York Times, did he ever get uh, uh, featured in the Chicago Tribune or, or any Chicago media, his work?
3: Very little, because he became too uh, radioactive, so to speak. He just was very, very dangerous. And uh, they now and then um, uh, he had a couple of buddies who he befriended. Um, and, and you know he was mobile, and he was mobile. He had a car built so that he could. He used leg irons, and he could um, using leg irons and uh, those those crutches that. Uh, that go around your your wrist, you know, the, the, the crutches. He had right. two crutches and leg irons, and he had a car built so the, it was all hand-controlled, the accelerator, the brake, everything. So he actually got himself mobile and drove around, and he would go to, to the courthouse, and he would make it. He was a younger guy then in, in his 40s and 50s, and he could move around and get, even though he was in a wheelchair, he did have leg irons. And he was able to it took time, but, you know, he got he got around where he had to get to. And uh, a couple of columnists uh, gave him coverage here and there. A lot of it, it would be columnists that would not reveal that he was the source, but information and that he would dig up. Uh, on local guys, uh, Racetrack Magar. And I mean, Skolnick was amazing. He uh, he did both the national conspiracies and the local conspiracies uh, Jesse Jackson's orange juice concession and the extortion rackets. And uh, if you go to, um, I think it's Skolnicksreport.com. Or, or, uh, can't remember, but it's uh, a lot of his stories are still up. The overthrow of the of the American Republic. I wrote a column with him, it's still at rents.com. Called, um, um uh, what was it called? Have, it'll come after, but, um, uh, Skolnick and I wrote a column, that came out, I can't even remember the title of it, uh, 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 but he wrote a lot. There's a lot of his stuff people can still read at rents.com.
2: Right. I know that, uh, I think the first time I became oh, aware, I, sorry, go just
3: ahead. Let me, I just remember the big thing was the FBI used him and his facilities during what was called the uh, Operation um, Greylord. The Greylord Affair, which was where the FBI put a number of top judges in jail. Some of those 60 that I mentioned, of the 60, some of those were what Sherman did not just with Citizens Committee to clean up the courts, but the FBI used him to put some – some of the judges in jail. Some of those twenty um, through what was called. People can look it up. Operation Greylord. So he worked. Uh, he he was not just a. He was recognized by the FBI. They took his stuff and, and put a lot of judges in jail as well. And the Dorothy Hunt scandal he got coverage of. He was showing that Dorothy Hunt was that the crash uh, was that she crashed in Chicago. The plane that crashed was all sabotage. And he wrote an extensive um, ar- articles on the, uh, the history of American airplane sabotage.
2: We should mention you should mention a little bit about who Dorothy Hunt was.
3: Okay, Dorothy Hunt was E. Howard Hunt's wife, and uh, at the time of the Watergate, uh, E. Howard Hunt gave her some private papers and very important papers to take and go back to Chicago, and as Skolnick showed and proved, what happened was uh, they crashed the plane. They allowed the plane to crash, and Skolnick covered it and said, look, the the police surrounded the plane and prevented the firemen getting and putting the fire out because they wanted her to be killed. So they let the thing burn. They held back the, the firemen from going, and, and uh, they could have stopped. They could have put the fire out a lot earlier. But, uh, and Skolnick, that was one of the big cases that got him popularity in the press in Chicago. But mostly because his stuff was so, so politically incorrect, uh, after he made – news in 69 there was little it was drabs and drabs here and there because he just was uh causing tremendous problems for the ruling elite both nationally and and locally
2: i uh, interviewed uh, dorothy hunt and uh, dorothy hunt's uh, son saint john hunt uh about about that case that was the uh uh who, who did who did Skolnick believe was responsible for that plane crash. That was um, United Airlines Flight 533.
3: um, Well, eventually, of of course, they pinned it to Daddy Bush because Daddy Bush was remember. Daddy Bush was in Dallas running the assassination, and um, Hillary Clinton was his lawyer who went in, and they had to get into the purpose. The purpose of Watergate was was to connect. Oswald to one of the plumbers so that they could go into the JFK files and sanitize it for Bush for daddy Bush of all the evidence showing that he was a major player in the assassination so Watergate was a was a false flag the whole purpose was once they showed the picture of uh, Sturgis one of the plumbers and Oswald they now could convince Sam Irvin that they should have a right to go into the sealed JFK files, because Sturgis, one of the plumbers, is connected to Oswald. That was the whole purpose of the whole Watergate break-in. And that's never discussed, but that's what Skolnick discovered. And eventually, when that comes out, probably in 50 years, (laughs) it'll be too late. But that's what really was Watergate was about. That's the real truth of Watergate.
2: And again, Dorothy Hunt, the wife of E. Howard Hunt, he was a, a former CIA agent who worked for Nixon,
3: yeah, yeah, he worked for, and he worked on the Kennedy assassination. He was involved in the Kennedy assassination and working with Bush on on it, and of course, uh, the the rest is history. We've you and I have done many many shows on this topic.
2: Right, right. I I was saying earlier that the first time I became aware of Skolnick was I believe it was. Uh, You you mentioned that that was an area that he really uh, delved into, that Sherman was interested in how uh, commercial airline uh, uh, crashes were used as assassination. And and, uh, the first time I became aware of him, you introduced me to the name Sherman Skolnick was after the plane crash of uh, Paul Wellstone. Uh, who was? Um, yes. he was a member of the Democratic Farmer Labor Party, and he was uh, he was running. He was or he was thinking of running right. uh, for the Democrats, and he died in in uh, two thousand and two. Right. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember the Wellstone
3: crash? I certainly do. I certainly do, and that certainly was part of uh, American uh, history of American airplane sabotage for sure. Just like Ron Brown's crash over in Yugoslavia, or roughly, or, or uh, somewhere in in that area, I, it's been many years since we talked about it. Right, it
2: was but, the former Yugoslavia. That was the former uh, Commerce Secretary Ron former Brown Secretary. Yes, under under yes. the Clinton in, in the Clinton administration.
3: Exactly. So you know, so Skolle covered the gambit and was really a pioneer. He was the great pioneer in this stuff, scrubbing off the bullshit to show the truth, as he used to say. Scraping the bullshit off the truth.
2: Well, uh, I know uh, you're right. He was not politically correct. And and one of his favorite targets was uh, the Vatican, who he said had partnered with the mafia and were infiltrating all aspects of American uh, politics.
3: Absolutely, and especially he f- fingered the Jesuits, the black popes, et cetera, et cetera, that he went into that. And that got him into a lot of problems. And eventually, they, he, Sherman definitely was murdered it's at the end, definitely was murdered when you look at how how, he, uh, how he, his, they brought about his demise. It, it was probably his own fault, too. What happened was, he, was um, he hadn't left his bedroom for five years. He was in his 70s. And um, he uh, went to his his uh, unfortunately he went to his uh, he what happened is he went to his brother's funeral and he hurt himself he put his leg irons for the first time in a long time and they were too tight and they cut him and he developed a wound and he never looked after it and it became damn greenish not heavily but enough that he had to go to the hospital once he was in the hospital they had him and eventually they gave him as he told me look he's going to die he said they they moved me from room to room 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 they gave me all sorts of drugs and he knew he was going that they had they had poisoned him and he didn't have long to live so he did in fact include himself on a death list
2: uh, do you remember your last conversation with Sherman Skolnik
3: Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, um, the last show I did with him, I have it on tape, and it was taped, and my last conversation with him was just when we got off the air, and uh, I, as usual, you know, we spoke so much, sometimes we spent 10 hours on the phone uh, regularly, uh, we spent a lot of time on the phone, and um, I, so I just basically said, I'll speak to you later, I'll see you later, and then I heard that he'd gone into the hospital, But uh, it's important for all Americans to understand this was a great man, the great American judge buster. And uh, he was cleaning the swamp long before uh, President Trump, not to say anything bad about Trump, but uh, Trump was talking about cleaning the swamp. And I'm sure Trump followed and knew about Skolnick as well. Uh, and his passing is something we should just note that he was a great, great man went through our midst and uh, there'll be no, there won't be anybody like him again.
2: All right. Nelson, thanks for, uh, for informing um, my listeners about the great Sherman H. Skolnick.
3: Yeah. And I think if Sherman was around, he'd say, look, he'd want to use this opportunity to, to tell everybody, go out and do your own legwork. Don't rely on the liars and whores of the media. Start to put together the truth of what, what's really going on and figure out what's happening backstage in the global theater. That's basically the message Sherman would want us to give and uh, uh, to give to the audience.
2: Seems like we could use him now more than ever.
3: Absolutely. Thanks, Nelson. Thanks, Rich. It's quite nice of you to, uh, to mark this occasion this way. Thank you very much.
2: Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a flash to tell you about the next episode of Conspiracy Unlimited that drops Monday. If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, or my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, I hope you'll consider becoming an official donor. A donation of $50 a month places you in the star chamber, $20 a month is the whistleblower tier and a donation of just $10 per month makes you a truth seeker. Star Chamber and whistleblower members can participate in an exclusive monthly online chat or video conference with me and all donors are entered into a monthly draw for Strange Planet merchandise. Any monthly amount is welcome and greatly appreciated. To become an official donor, go to patreon.com Forward slash Strange Planet. Patreon.com forward slash Strange Planet. Coming up next on Conspiracy Unlimited, journalist Russ Baker from Who What is back with part two of our ongoing series on the Bush Dynasty.
4: Reagan gets shot and he's shot by this fellow John Hinckley. John Hinckley coming from uh, Midland, Texas, the same town where Poppy Bush was, and then we find out, doing some research, that the two families knew each other, even were friendly, even shared a lawyer in common. Uh, And and I don't know if this is most interesting of all, but it's certainly interesting that it turns out that uh, the day after the shooting, there was a dinner scheduled to take place, and it was Neil Bush, uh, the son of uh, George H.W. Bush, was to have dinner with John Hinckley's brother.
2: Until then, I'm Richard Sarrett. So long for now.
1: A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Sarrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at Conspiracy Podcast.com. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... we need constant petting.
0: Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home auto and life.